Nice confession. I'm so ashamed. Hey, Rockers. Welcome back to Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Hinckley. And sitting across from me... Let me guess. What? I'm, just, I'm, I'm taking a wild guess. Okay. Am I the Joe Strummer to your topper heading? Yes, you uh, are. Yes, I got it. I figured out the pattern. <laughs> I got the pattern. <laughs> he got the pattern from my shirt. That's and right. And I guess we could start out with what are you wearing, but I think it, Matt just gave it away. Why don't you go first? And All hello, right. everybody. <laughs> You can finish. You can finish I'm, introducing I'm, me if you want. I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. I've got to say. You're the Joe Strummer to my topper head, <laughs> and the guy who's sitting with me is my co-host, Sabrina's dad, Ooh. Matt Black. Hello, everybody. All right. Now well, let's I, go I with what are you wearing? What's that? Now let's go with what T- are you tell wearing? Tell us what you're wearing, Seth. I'm I wearing like my shirt. Clash T-shirt. Ahead. I even want to guess why, but I'll I'll wait. I'll wait a little. All right. Bit. All right. And where tell are me you? when we come to it. Uh, uh, so. You'll know. You'll okay, know. Okay. All right. What are you wearing? I'm recycling again. I'm wearing my Red Hot Chili Peppers red asterisky thing T-shirt because once again one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers songs shows up on my top five list today. So what is our top five today? Well, as you may recall, listeners, if you listen to episode 18, which was our songs about bands and musicians, we were originally going to do it about songs about bands or musicians or music, and Seth realized much sooner than I realized that was way. <laughs> <laughs> too much for a single episode so we split it up so last episode was songs about bands and musicians this is songs about music songs about music which are probably more numerous than grains of sand on the beach or the stars in the cosmos there are a fair number just a little bit yeah do you have any rules for uh, your list so the rules were the lyrics had to be about music in any way, shape, or form. Now, I didn't narrow it down to be like, do you know what the term word painting is? I do. Word painting, for those of you that don't know, is where the music actually reflects the lyrics. Also known as tone painting. The easiest example I can give you that you probably know very well is MC Hammer's Hammer Time, where he says, stop, and the music stops, and then he says, Hammer Time, and it goes back in. Another really good example of this is in Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, where he says, it goes like this, the fourth, oh, you're mowing my the lawn fifth, here. the minor fall, and the major lift, where the lyrics actually signify the song's chord progression that's underneath what he's singing. So, did I go that deep? No. It just had to be somewhere about music. So, that was my only rule. Okay, well... What about you? That same song may come up later. Um, (laughs) uh, No, I didn't have any hard and fast rules. I will just say two things. First of all, I released myself from the restriction I gave myself in the last episode. I did allow myself to choose at least one song that was where the lyrics are more metaphorical or symbolic and not as on the nose, a little more ambivalent about what the song is about, just because the song is so important. And the second one is, I came with my top five songs today. I could come next week with a totally different list, and the week after with a totally different list, and the week after with a totally different list. Yeah, exactly. Just like last time, we will depend on you, our listeners, to contribute your suggestions for your favorite songs about music, and we will cover those with a Spotify playlist and a future episode where we'll tell you guys what you each liked. So send us your top five list at podcast at rock you dot. I could probably change my list right now and then right now and then right now. I mean, there's so many stinking songs. I just went through and picked five that I really like off the top of my head. 
Me too. So, Same deal. I think I'm yeah. going first this time. I can't remember. Because so you for went it. first last time. Go for it. I will give you the ultimate number one. Okay. All right. So my number five is Rocket Prime Jive by Queen off the game in 1980. And if you've listened to this podcast since its inception, you will know that on our first episode, the all killer, no filler episode, the game was one of my picks. This song was written by Queen's drummer, Roger Taylor, and... After Freddie Mercury sings the intro, Roger sings the rest of the song. The intro is a simple, slow arpeggio on the guitar and a very simple bass part, and Freddie's super strong vocal as usual. And then at about the 55 second mark, the song takes off with Roger's drums and his vocals. Brian May's guitar solo has really good crunch and rhythm, and the song does have some synth in it. I mean, it was 1980 after all but it's used as a great background for the song. And it's all about rock and roll, which is such a great subject. I mean, this is the Rock You podcast, so that's what we're, that's what we're going with. Good reasons for that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. What's your number five? All right, my number five is a twofer. Oh, uh, oh, you're doubling down. I'm, I'm doubling down, but it's perfectly fair because it's really the same song. Okay. Mine is Hey, Hey, My, My, Out of the Blue and Hey, Hey, My, My, Into, Into the, Black the Black by Neil Young. Young. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this one is a little bit metaphorical because it is really about the spirit of music and the spirit of rock and roll. The two versions are basically the same in terms of their chord progression and their lyrics. Um, there is one lyrical change, which I'll discuss, but Out of the Blue is acoustic, just Neil and an acoustic guitar, yeah. or two acoustic guitars, and Into the Black is very heavy, uh, yeah, grungy, very grungy, fuzzy, distorted. Yeah. This is where some famous lines come from, including, it's better to burn out than fade away, which became a very significant line when Kurt Cobain quoted it in his suicide note. And Neil Young became, uh, as a result, a very important figure to grunge music. He's known as the godfather of grunge. Right. He was also a huge supporter of punk music, even though it was very much not his own style. And he's got the line, the king is gone, but he's not forgotten, referring to Elvis. Is this the tale of Johnny Rotten? And yeah. basically, is that the same thing? Is, is punk music just the next rock and roll? Again, it's really about the spirit of rock and roll. And it was famously disliked by John Lennon, who said, that's a terrible wow. thing to say. Yeah. He said, it's definitely not better to burn out than fade away it's better to live a long life and be happy and neil said he well he didn't mean it literally he meant yeah. that it is better to live and take risks but anyway it's a great tune and neil young's got a gift for writing a riff that is simple and just gets in your soul and won't get out it hey really hey does. my my out of the blue and hey hey my my <clears throat> into the black by neil young all right my number four is magic power by triumph off the Allied Forces record in 1981. Now, I could have gone with the title track of the album, right. Allied Forces, which is a great rocker of a song talking about the denim army that are the legion of fans of Triumph. But Magic Power is just a musical story with lots of twists and turns. And when I say musical story, I mean the the actual song, the, the, the tune is actual a musical story with lots of twists and turns. It's a song about hearing music on the radio that makes you feel good and gets you through hard times. The 12-string intro by Rick Emmett, who also sings this one, is a great contrast to his powerful electric guitar later in the song. The song has a lot of different parts, and the 12-string comes back during the extended bridge, which leads into a, a short, tight guitar solo that extends into the verse. Rick Emmett said, I wrote it about myself as a nine-year-old with a transistor radio, and then I changed the pronouns to she and her. If there hadn't been a John Sebastian, do you believe in magic, and a Pete Townsend won't get fooled again, magic power might never have been born. It's a great song. Every time I hear it, I turn it up. 
I just love that one. Forgotten that one. It's not often you get a Triumph reference around here. No, but you know they're oh, got they're, some good tunes. They're the other mm-hmm. power trio out of Canada besides <laughs> Rush. They're they're Rush's. Oh, I, I remember them. Little brother, but they're awesome. Ready so for my number four? I'm I'm ready for right. your number four. Okay, my second song is my Red Hot Chili Peppers T-shirt. The reason for my Red Hot Chili Peppers T-shirt today, I've mentioned before that the Chili Peppers are a band that most people like better than I like them, but they have some <laughs> undeniable great songs. And this they is do. the one song that I think can be perhaps a little bit ambiguous, and it's Can't Stop. Can't Stop has been interpreted by many people different ways. As far as I know, there is no definitive interpretation that the band has confirmed. But I am 100% positive that this song is about being a musician. And it's about that feeling that you get when music motivates you in a way that is irresistible. And there are some good lines that are clues to this. Well, the first line is, Can't Stop Addicted to the Shindig. And a lot of people have chosen to focus on the word addicted to think that this is about Anthony Kiedis' drug habit. And it may be, but like most good songwriting, most good songwriting has more than just one simple meaning. And it definitely feels to me like it's about music music because in the next or a couple lines later shindig do you know that shindig was a tv show in the 60s i think and there was like a music tv show yeah there's some other meaning of shindig too that comes up in some other context which i can't remember now but i i I came across when i was looking this up okay Uh, but i'm not sure but he refers to defunct the pistol that you pay for this punk the feeling that you stay for and this is a clue because defunct is spelled in the song with a k and defunct is a punk jazz rock funk band oh, that okay. the chili peppers liked and yeah. were, were an influence on them in the chorus he sings several times to be part of the wave can't stop to me that's a very musical yeah. sound reference um yeah. there's a line music the great communicator Use two sticks to make it in the nature. And later on, he refers to bebop and birds that blow the meaning into bebop. And that may have something to do with Charlie Bird Charlie Parker. Parker. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what they meant. I have yeah. seen other interpretations that agree. But again, the band hasn't confirmed what it meant. And maybe sometimes it doesn't mean that much as far as they know. But this is the way it comes across to me. There is certainly a drive that I've seen many times at Rock U where... People just can't stop making music because it's such an important motivator. I know that feeling. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, my number three is Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder from Songs in the Key of Life. I mean, the first verse says a lot. Music is a world within itself with a language we all understand with an equal opportunity for all to sing, dance, and clap their hands. This is Stevie's homage to big band jazz and his heroes of music. And he goes out and lists them, Basie, Miller, Satchmo, and Sir Duke, who's Duke Ellington, as well as Ella Fitzgerald. And this song hit number one in 1977. And it was, I'm not sure if this was in the middle of his run of like three out of four albums were number one and they won album of the year. I mean, for sure. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know which album it's on. Songs in the Key of Life. Oh, yeah, then definitely. Yeah. Stevie mixes jazz, like the swung hi-hat pattern in the intro, with Motown pop, like the strong backbeat on the snare, to make this masterpiece of a song. He uses the doo-wop chord progression, 
which is the 1645 progression, which was made famous in the 50s and the 60s because that's when all the doo-wop folks were using it. I guess it's like, what's the chord progression that everybody's using today? The 1-4? One, 1-5-6-4, one, one, which five, is just six, a variant four. of it. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see a really great explanation of what makes the music great in this song, you need to watch the YouTube video called Jacob Collier Deconstructs a mm. Stevie Wonder Classic. He's good. It's on the Vox YouTube channel. The Shout chorus in this one, which starts at about the 225 mark, is just a great callback to the big jazz band that Duke Ellington ran. And if you don't know what a shout chorus is, after the chorus, it's where the horns and the bass and a lot of the instruments all play in unison for a while. And in this song, it's amazing. Sir Duke is just a classic all the way around. It shows Stevie's genius. I don't know enough about the music to explain it as well as Jacob Collier does. So go watch that video (laughs) and you'll understand musically why this is such a great song. It's super, super hard to play. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. But that just shows you what a genius Stevie Wonder Mm -hmm. is. Yeah, except and for, that's and that's my number three. <laughs> that song that song contains one of the one of in my opinion one of Stevie Wonder's few false notes. There's a penny whistle in there somewhere. Oh. And man, I wish someone would make a, a, an edit of that without the penny whistle. It just oh. like it just it, to me it's like oh yeah such a masterpiece with that one little flaw. Well, he must have had a reason for including it. He and liked his producer it. too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what's your number three? My number three is bubblegum, little bubblegum for you, a little another pixie stick for you. Now, this is a talk about guilty pleasures. This may be the guiltiest pleasure that I have ever mentioned on this podcast. Okay. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say it out loud, to be honest with you. But I, I love the song. Shh, oh, just whisper it. I love the just song. Just whisper it. It'll be fine. And all my, all my choices reflect an aspect of music. So the Neil Young song is about that living on the edge, that risk, and the can't stop is about the drive that music gives you. This one is about the way that music can alter your mood and your outlook on life. Okay. And music is as good as any therapy, as any medication, as any practice in making you feel good. You know, people wish they could have a magic wand and just wave it and feel better. Well, you got one. Just turn on your favorite tunes. Well, that's, um, that's what magic power is all about. Exactly. I, I like that you said <laughs> that. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm building up to it because I'm procrastinating actually saying it out loud. But I just dude, love dude, it. Dude. I'm going to say it right now. You I, love you love what you love. I love There's this nothing song. Wrong with that. It's, it's Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> the song was originally written by Jessie J to perform for herself, along with Dr. Luke and another songwriter whose name I can't remember at the moment. And and she decided it was, well, it was about her experiences coming to L.A. from the U.K. and seeing the different, and how she was nervous, but how it made her feel better when she heard her favorite music. She yeah. decided it wasn't edgy enough for her, so she gave it to Miley. They changed the lyrics a little bit, so she was coming from Tennessee instead of from the U.K. Right. It's got a great guitar hook. I can't figure out who plays it, but it's probably Dr. Luke, who was the producer and all, has a problematic side story, which we maybe talk about another time, but is, in fact, an accomplished guitarist. And Miley delivers a great vocal but it's just a really well constructed song with lyrics like in the pre-chorus my tummy's hurting and I'm feeling kind of homesick too much pressure and I'm nervous that's when the taxi man turned on the radio and a Jay-Z song was on and then later and a Britney song was on Miley Cyrus admitted later that she just did the song to build her brand and she had actually never listened to Jay-Z that came from the Jesse J original lyrics but she was a big fan of Britney so yeah, I admit it. This is some crass commercialism on Miley Cyrus's part, and I wouldn't put it past her, but it's a great piece of musical art. Okay. Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Nice confession. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. So my number two is a guilty pleasure for me. Okay. Just because it's just kind of a basic song and it's awesome. It's Kids Wanna Rock by Brian Adams off of the Reckless LP. Reckless is probably another one that's all killer, no filler. I really like that whole record. It's a song about how the kids want to rock and how New Wave makes you get a weird haircut and waste your life away. I actually like New Wave, but I like this song a whole lot. So there's some great guitar work by Keith Scott on this song. Now, Jim Valance, who I think was the producer on this record, he co-wrote the song with Brian Adams. He said of how the song got written, The idea for Kids Wanna Rock began one summer evening in 1984 at the Queen Elizabeth Theater in Vancouver. Me, Brian, and my wife Rachel had gone to see a performance of a predominantly synth-based recording artist. And discussing it later, one of us remarked how the kids really just want to rock. Being the Rock You podcast and loving to rock out, this is a great song. I'll have to listen to it. Okay, here's my number two. Are you ready for it? Okay. I'm ready. All right. This one actually is kind of a stand-in for a whole lot of songs. And it's just a, another theme about music, which is how music is important in inspiring social change. And it's Nina Cried Power by Hozier with Mavis Staples from the Staples Singers on wow. some vocals. Yeah. The line, Nina Cried Power, comes from the song Sinner Man by Nina Simone, where she said, and I cried power. Right. And it's about raising your voice against injustice and changing the world. It's got some great lyrics in it really nice beat just some great singing by both Hosier and Mavis Staples but yeah. it, they also name drop in the lyrics Nina Simone Billie Holiday Mavis Staples herself Curtis Mayfield Patti LaBelle John Lennon James Brown B.B. King Joni Mitchell Bob Dylan Woody Guthrie Pete Seeger and some more that I'm probably missing here man you um, probably could have used that one for last episode too I could have certainly a lot of these could have gone could have gone both Either ways way, yeah. yeah exactly and all those other than B.B. King who I, I'm not aware if he had any kind of history of activism i should look that up all of them had significance in social change right and i think uh mavis staples is experiencing a a resurgence a a lot of interest in her work now some new material out she's guested on a few things and now she's coming to a new audience through this hosier song she's quite a character but yeah it's a great song she can really sing she really can yeah it's a great song but again it stands in in a way for all that material that's my number two Top of the list. Here it comes. <laughs> okay. Want to guess the song? Guess. Am I allowed to? Sure. Is it Radio Clash? No. Dang it. All right. I could sit here all day and you throw could Clash sit here songs all at day. you, but give it to me. Yeah. It's Rock the Casbah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I should have got that one. That's my favorite yeah, Clash yeah. song of all time. That's my favorite Clash song, too. It's a song about a fictional Middle Eastern king that bans rock music, but the people still rock the Casbah. Even the king's fighter pilots. <laughs> it's the only top 10 single the Clash ever had in the U.S. That kind of surprised me. I thought Train in Vain or some of the other songs they had would have been... Should I Stay or Should I Go? Yeah, another one. London Calling, all those. All those great songs. The tune's unique. It's got a great bass line. And the lead's on piano, which is not something normal. And very sparse guitar stabs. And Joe Strummer's vocals are just awesome. Oddly enough, the music for Rock the Casbah was written by the band's drummer, Topper Heaton. Hey, there you go. And based on a piano part that he'd been toying around with. He found himself in the studio without his three bandmates... And he progressively taped the drums, the piano, the bass, recording the bulk of the song's music by himself. The other Clash members were really impressed with his recording, and they said, God, we think the music track's actually essentially just complete. However, Strummer was really not impressed with the original lyrics that Topper wrote. Heaton's original lyrics were, allegedly, a sappy set of lyrics about how much he missed his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And Strummer took one look at those words and said... 
how incredibly interesting and wadded up the piece so of paper and chucked it backwards <laughs> over his head. <laughs> Strummer had been developing a set of his own lyrical ideas before he had heard the music that he was looking to match up with an appropriate tune. And he had already come up with the phrases rock the casbah and you'll have to let that raga drop as lyrical ideas. So after hearing Heaton's music, Strummer went into the studio's toilets and wrote the lyrics to match nice. the song's melodies. There's a digital sound in the song that was generated by an alarm from a digital wristwatch that was owned by Mick Jones. Cool. And that was intentionally added in by Jones during the mix of the song. Rock the Casbah. The video actually was filmed in Austin, Texas. Cool. And you can see the, oil derricks. The, yeah. the band performing yeah. in front of a pump jack, which yeah. most likely is a gas well, not an oil well. But you can see Roy's taxi. And <laughs> uh, if I remember right, the two characters in the video, one's a Muslim the other's a rabbi, and they go... They're and dancing around. Yeah. They're dancing around. Yeah. They go and eat a, a hamburger at Burger King, which <laughs> is not halal, and then they end up going to a Clash show at, I believe it was the Austin Civic Center. Great fun video, great song. Just love it. <laughs> nice. Well, it reminds me of one of the great jokes about, and there's so many great musical jokes. What was the last thing the drummer said in the band? Hey, guys, I've got a song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. All right, my number one. Okay, I mentioned... Top of the list. I mentioned before that I could do this 10 different days and have 10 different lists, but this is the one song that would have been on the list no matter what, and probably at number one no matter what, and it's Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh, and yeah. Lose Yourself, first of all, I've said many times, not on this podcast, but to, in, in other conversations, when people bemoan the deterioration of the English language, I've said many times, you're crazy. If you're looking for the next Shakespeare or Chaucer, if you're looking for the next brilliant brilliant user of the English language, you're going to find that person in hip-hop, not in the other places where we would traditionally look for it, literature or other art forms. Eminem is probably the most acrobatic, fluid rapper out there. What he can do with his words is amazing, and he's a great yeah. lyricist, too. This is all about, each of my choices, I think, reflects a different aspect of music, but this is all about the transformation that you undergo when you are performing live. Right. And I love one line in particular. The whole song is about this, and it's about other things too but I love one line in particular where he goes oops there goes gravity and that's how it feels yeah. to be on stage if you're having a really good show and he just delivers it so well it's from the movie 8 Mile which right. is his biographical story it's not literally him but it's basically his story it is just an amazing song one thing that's interesting about this is as far as I can tell there are no samples credited on this so the famous piano hook and the guitar line are that's... being played by musicians in the studio yeah. making this record yeah. so usually obviously hip hop involves samples from famous other tracks like you mentioned the funky drummer last time right and uh this is apparently being played completely by musicians making this song yeah so all right we're gonna do a few honorable mentions because like you said you could come up with a list every day Dude, i've kept mine at just two really really i am shocked yeah. i do not know what yeah. to say or do <laughs> i know now. i know i know <laughs> All right, I'm going to roll through a few. Go for it. So I could have done this just using the term rock and roll. New, I knew that's where you were going to go. I was about to put those words into your mouth. <laughs> rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. Rock and roll music by Chuck Berry. It's only rock and roll, the Rolling Stones. It's still rock and roll to me, Billy Joel. I love rock and roll, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. The Heart of Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis and the News. Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. And Rock and Roll on Night by Kiss. All valid. I could do this just using the word rock. Rock Around the Clock, Bill Haley 
Lee in the comments. Let there be rock. ACDC. Long live rock. The Who. Rock this town. The Stray Cats. There's only one way to rock. Sammy Hagar. I want to rock. Twisted Sister. I'm going to cheat and spell it. R-O-C-K in the USA by John Mellencamp. And for those about to rock, we salute you by ACDC. And All worthy. There are so many others. Like, And this is just some that I came up with while trying to put together a list of songs that I really liked. Reeling and Rockin', the Chuck Berry version and the George Thorogood and Delaware Destroyers version. Drift Away by Dobie Gray. Radio Song by R.E.M., which was a throwaway mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts. Your a whole song. bunch of songs with just radio in the title, too, that are worth Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your Song by Elton John. Play That Funky Music, Wild Cherry. Listen to the Music by the Doobie Brothers. Swamp Music by Leonard Skinner, which is about hound dogs and how they sound like music, and Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar. Songs about music, there's so stinking many of them. That's true. Well, the reason I limited my honorable mentions to just two was for that exact reason. There were so many they kind of blended together for me. And I I considered a lot of the songs you just mentioned, and it's like, well, this one doesn't really stand out for me in any way. But some of those, again, on a different day might have ended up on my list. The two I want to mention, one you already mentioned, was Hallelujah, because of the tone painting, because the, the chord progression is actually contained within the lyrics, which I think is really special. But only the first verse is about music. Although I do think it conveys that sense that some of us have. You may have someone in your life who just doesn't like music that much. I just don't know how to talk to those people. Like, <laughs> so I, I th- we think of music as a universal thing, but there are some people who just don't don't dig it, don't want to listen to music, don't have any interest in it. Okay. Yeah. And it's got the line, but you don't really care for music, do you? Uh, so I always think of that. But the other one, I was just outside my top five. I really struggled with this one, but I'm going to include it. And one of the reasons I didn't make it in my top five was because I actually think this is a repeated theme in this musician's music. It's Punky Reggae Party by Bob Marley and the Wailers. I could have also used Rebel Music or uh, 3 O'Clock Roadblock, which is actually the same song, or um, Positive Vibration or Kinky Reggae, but I like Punky Reggae Party because it's more direct. The repeated sort of interlude, it's not really the chorus, is new wave, new craze, new wave, new phrase. It's got lyrics like, it takes a joyful sound to make the world go round. Yeah. Um, But what I really like is the backing vocal. They're actually singing, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And it would be cool <laughs> if the notes they were singing were actually those notes, but they're not. They're just oh. singing, they're singing the names of the scale, the notes in the scale, but they're not actually singing the scale. Uh, so those are my my so only two not, honorable mentions that I felt like I really had to get out there. It's so. not technically tone painting. Cool. But like we said before, send us your top five list because we'd love to hear it. And we're going to put together an episode that has your top five list listed out in it. Send that to us. And we look forward to hearing from you. Podcast at rock-u.fr. If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, there is a Spotify playlist that you can find in the show notes that has them all. All right, Rockers, we're back, and it's time for our confessional that we call Take Two. We know we screw up, and at least we're going to try and right the wrongs that we have made on prior podcasts. And you tell us. Yeah, we, we, we hear <laughs> We know because you, you tell us. <laughs> we're going to just go back to the start of this season, which is episode 15, and that was Top 5 Weird Instruments, Can You Get Sued for a Breakup Song, and Are You Going to Pay for Bands That Are Past Their Prime was the one-minute matchup. I had a few. One was on Peter Gabriel's Come Talk to Me on the live album Secret World. It does not have anyone listed as playing the bagpipes. Now, I thought that that's what I heard. But it does have a guy named Levon 
and I'm going to probably screw this up, Manassian, listed as playing the Duduk, hmm. which I had to look up what a Duduk was. It's a traditional Armenian double reed woodwind wow. instrument that's made out of apricot wood. Now, it's wow. been made of other things over the years, but they currently make it out of apricot wood. And I think that's the instrument that I was hearing that I kind of thought was bagpipes. It's listed as being on Come Talk to Me on the studio version, which is on Peter Gabriel's album called Us. And that's on the Wikipedia page for the Duke, the Do Duke. Man, I can't say Do Duke. <laughs> I had one of those removed from my elbow once. Really? <laughs> And on Good Vibrations, we didn't know who played the Oh, theremin. I got that one. Let me take that one. Okay. All right, you go ahead. It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> a guy named Paul Tanner is listed as playing the Electro Theremin on Good Vibrations. Did you look up? Oh, I had a lot more to say about that one. If you're, Okay, go for okay. it. Yeah. So, yeah, I had the same question. I mentioned that I didn't know who actually played it, and I figured I'd look it up. And it is, as you said, Paul Tanner, who was a trombonist. And it's, as you said, it's not a true theremin. It's an Electro Theremin. But what you didn't What's mention, the difference what between... you didn't mention is it's a it's an instrument that Paul Tanner himself invented. Oh, to give one the the player more control over the pitch. So it's played not with your hands, not touching it, but what actually with knobs. And ah. it is the only one ever built. And as far wow. as I know, he's the only one ever to have played it. And in in addition, in this particular performance, he added a second device, the name of which I didn't write down and is escaping me, but to give you even more precise control over the pitch, basically a ruler that showed you where your pitch was going, which is why I mentioned in our podcast that it's incredible how much control the theremin player had over yeah. the pitch. Now we know why. It wasn't he, a true theremin. <laughs> it was a it was an assisted, he <laughs> electronically assisted control. theremin. Yeah. So yeah, he's the only one who ever played that instrument, and it was used on a few recordings including good vibrations okay cool oh i got one just moving on with that same thing sure when synthesizers became more prominent and it was no longer necessary to have a theremin or an electro theremin uh he actually donated the parts to a hospital to be used for medical equipment wow yeah. <laughs> man music can save your life and in this literally. instance literally <laughs> okay we had also talked about the vibra slap and I didn't know this. I thought the Viber Slap had been around for a very long time. So did I. It was invented by Martin Cohen in 1967. That, that the, the yeah. thing with the with the right. coat hanger right. looking thing right. was invented by him in '67. Right. The inventor was told by a percussionist, Bobby Rosengarden, "If you want to make some money, make a jawbone that doesn't break." And like you said, the jawbone with the rattling teeth was mm -hmm. what it was invented from. Mm -hmm. And about the inventing process, Cohen remembered, I had never seen a jawbone before, but I had heard one on an album. I found out that it was an animal skull that you would strike and the sound would come from the teeth rattling in the little sockets. So I took that concept and invented the Viber Slap, which was my first patent. There you go. I just want to say that if you hit it hard enough, you can still break a Viber Slap. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Markheim. <laughs> like I think the, the broken Viber slap, I think, is uh, attached to one of our light trees upstairs as a little trophy of Mark's exuberance. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have anything else for I do. episode 15? I do. Uh, All right. Good Vibrations was the biggest one, but I have, I have another important one. I mentioned the uh, rattling wine bottle on the speaker cabinet in the outro of Long, Long, Long by George Harrison on the... On the didn't, um, we, didn't we say it was in the intro? I'm, I'm, I'm working up to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
the George Harrison Beatles song, written Beatles song. Um, but on the podcast, I said intro, not outro. And Seth, you very dutifully pasted a, an audio clip from the intro, which does not have the sound. So that's my bad. Let's listen to the real sound here. What do you think of that? Yeah, that actually sounds like I, I was trying to listen to the stuff in the intro and I was like, maybe I'm just not hearing it correctly. Yeah. But no, that's that's much clearer. Yeah. Unmistakable. Yeah. Yes. yes. Also, I was also looking up other songs with bagpipes and my, there are songs out there. You and I had agreed that It's a Long Way to the Top If You Want to Rock and Roll was basically the only significant rock song with significant right. bagpipes. Yeah. I couldn't find anything that I considered significant. Yeah, there's some bagpipes for you know on songs that aren't that important or they're not important in the song. The only one I found that stood out to me was a Shout by Tears for Fears. But I can't hear the bagpipes. So if anyone out there can hear the bagpipes on Shout for, by Tears for Fears, tell us where they come in and what we should listen for. Where did you find that the bagpipes were in Shout by Tears for Fears? The Googles, my friend. They ah, okay. Yeah. Well, hmm, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember hearing it in that song either. I don't either. If you can hear it in that song, like Matt says, tell us where it is. All right, we're going to move on to episode 16, which was Spooky Songs, Accidental Basis, and the one-minute matchup was should bands that lost a key member continue on. I got nothing for episode 16. The only thing for episode yeah. 16 was we didn't remember who the drummer was for Black Sabbath. I didn't remember, Seth. You can you can point the finger at me. It's Bill Ward. Bill Ward, of course. <laughs> yeah. So episode 17, top five sad songs, how Janet Jackson crashes hard drives, and gear versus lessons in the matchup. I had said that the Indigo Girls were from Atlanta. They're actually from Decatur, Georgia, which is a very tight suburb of Atlanta. And they met in elementary school and started performing together in high school. And then they ended up at Emory University in Atlanta, and that's where they first started performing as the Indigo Girls. Did you have anything for episode 17? Yeah, I just I felt bad that I forgot to mention uh, Bittersweet by Big Head Todd and the Monsters is one of the sad songs on the album Sister Sweetly. Um, it actually appeared first on their independently released record Midnight Radio and then re-released it on or re-recorded it and released it on Sister Sweetly, which was their first big label release. It deals with a lot of the same thematic content that Tomorrow Never Comes does which is the song i did use but it's just got some great lyrics that are worth sharing and you should listen to it. it's a little bit less of a sad song but these are some great lines i'm older now i work in the city we live together but it's different than my dream morning light fills the room i rise she pretends she's sleeping are we everything we wanted and then the last verse said i know we don't talk about it we don't tell each other all the little things that we need we work our way around each other as we tremble and we bleed oh my goodness uh. so uh, an unfortunate omission that should have been mentioned in the Sad Songs episode. Also, I said in the Frequency Resonance bit that uh, Concert A is 440 kilohertz. It's not. It's 440 hertz. So 440 kilohertz would be way beyond the re yeah. range of human hearing. 440 times a second, right? That's what hertz is. Yeah. Yeah. 440 times a second is hertz, right? 440 kilohertz would be 440,000 or 44,000 times. Yeah, so that would be a yeah, lot. Yeah, was my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one other note. And On it's this one? Just, okay. Uh, just oh. to clarify, Almost Blue, the song is on Imperial Bedroom by Elvis Costello and the Attractions, and it's not on the album Almost Blue, which, which is, what I is said, just weird. Yeah, it is yeah. what you okay. said. <laughs> but I just wanted to clarify just to make okay. sure that everybody knew. Yeah. 
And do you have anything else? For 17? Nope. I got some stuff for 18. Well, let's hear it. 18 was uh, top five songs about bands musicians. We had feedback, and then we did the uh, one-minute matchup of should artists' personal lives matter when evaluating their art. What do you got? Do you want mine? Okay. Uh, so I mentioned that the members of Leonard Skinner grew up in the same area as some members of the Eagle and Tom Petty, Eagles and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I got that wrong. Leonard okay. Skinner and the Allman Brothers are from Jacksonville, and they knew each other. Yeah. But in Gainesville, you had Stephen Stills from Crosby, Stills and Nash right. and many other bands. You had both Bernie Ledden and Don Felder from the right. Eagles, and Tom Petty and all the Heartbreakers, the original Heartbreakers, all came from Gainesville, and a lot of them went to school together. Tom Petty, Bernie Ledden, and Don Felder all worked in the same record shop. Yeah. And Don Felder claims to have taught Petty some guitar. Petty said he didn't remember that, but he did remember learning some piano from Don Felder. Right. But there is a crossover because Don Felder did learn some slide guitar from Dwayne Allman. It's not clear ah. when that happened to me. At least it's not clear. But uh, so there is a lot of inter- there is a lot of overlap there. But it is in fact there is a, some some something in the water in Gainesville to create all those to, you know to produce all those amazing musicians. But obviously in Jacksonville too. Now, you have something to add about that? I, I do. Okay, go for it. So Skinnerd actually was formed at Jacksonville, Florida's Robert E. Lee High School, but not all the heartbreakers went to school in Gainesville. That may be true. Mike Campbell lived in Jacksonville, although he went to a different high school, Jean Ribot. So Mike yeah. Campbell is from Jacksonville. So there was something in the water in Jacksonville yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. If memory serves, Mike Campbell came to the Heartbreakers a little later than the original lineup, which was yeah, Stan I don't Lynch. think he was. I don't think he was in Mudcrutch, which yeah, was Stan, the band. That Tom they Petty, had. Stan Lynch, the the bass player Ron Blair, I think is his name, and the and keyboard player Ben Montage. Who didn't go to school with them? Who's younger, but right. he did. He was from Gainesville. Yeah. So I think Mike Campbell was a later addition. Yeah. So. That's going to obviously be fodder for a future take too. Um, also, I just wanted to I wanted to expound on the point that you made. Uh, you were, in fact, you already knew that John Bon Jovi had been influenced by Bob Seger's Turn the Page when he wrote right. Wanted Dead or Alive. I just looked up the backstory. So Bon Jovi covered the song in a concert in Toronto in 2010, and afterwards he told the audience that he remembered listening to Turn the Page years ago while traveling on a tour bus and he just said to Richie Sambora we got to write a song like this the next year they wrote Wanted Dead or Alive oh so cool that's the backstory I got from it now we had talked about you had asked the question if you had Wanted Dead or Alive and turned the page if you could mash those up if they were in the same key check that out yeah so I'm not good at picking keys on songs I'm, I, I'm good with beats but not with keys and the internet can't agree on either song on what key they're in. So I just did a quick Google search <laughs> and the two keys that Wanted Dead or Alive is allegedly in. I know it's in one key and somebody could, who's a better musicologist well, than us, in, but go ahead. Was, yeah. is D or G and then they think that Turn the Page is either in E minor or A. Do you know what key yeah, they're in? D- Wanted Dead or Alive is in what's called D Mixolydian, which sounds a lot like G. Okay. It's the same as Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. So it uses the chords that would ordinarily be the one, four, five chord in the key of G. Right. But it's actually in the D mixolydian chord. Or okay. key, excuse me. And turn the page, I think, is in E minor. Okay. As far as I know, it's pretty straightforward chord progression, E A D. Oh, that would make it an A. Hmm. I'll have to look at it. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Future take two. Uh, I'll have okay. to check that out. 
Do you have anything else? No, that's it. Okay, I got a couple of things. I was wondering aloud whether James Brown's first use of Give the Drummer Some was on The Funky Drummer. It wasn't. It was on Cold Sweat from 1967. So that was the first time James Brown had used it. And evidently, Give the Drummer Some is ubiquitous throughout the history of music. And I was sure he did it live many times before it oh, showed yeah. up on a recording. Yeah. And then I'm sure many other people used it before James Brown did. On multiple podcasts before this one, I was trying to figure out how to say this band's name. And I found <laughs> I found another podcast where they interviewed them, and one of the band members introduced the band as Shagal Guevara. Wow! So that's right. how you say that. That's how you say it. <laughs> that's how the band members say it. So that's how I, I'm. That's definitive. Say it. I think that's definitive. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We're going to rock your face off, Matt. Tell them all about it. That's right, Seth. The Rock You Fall concert is coming up Sunday, the 11th of December at La Boule Noire. All the details are on our website, www.rock-u.fr. Come check it out free and open to the public and see 18 incredible student bands rocking their faces off. Are you ready to rock 2023? Rock U's winter session starts on January 3rd. Our concert is on Sunday, March 19th at La Boule Noire. Come and join a band, take some lessons, make the most of the new year. We'll see you in the studio. All right, rockers, we're back. And Matt's phone's buzzing. Mm. (laughs) But he's going to ignore it because this is more important. We're doing the one-minute matchup. And the question for this episode is, who's the best singing drummer in rock and roll? And I know this is going to be a tough one. Not for me. Not for you. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, it's really not even tough for me because I have a favorite. But I'm curious to see who yours is. Do we have the uh, stopwatch? We do need the stopwatch. Yeah, here we go. You want to go first this time? I'll go first this time. All right, you ready? Okay, my minute begins. Three, two, one. Now. Okay, I could go with Phil Collins, although when he sang out in front of Genesis, he wasn't really playing the drums and singing. Uh, I could go with Don Henley from the Eagles, because he did play drums and sing, and he's really good. But my favorite, and I think the best of all time, is Fred LeBlanc from Cowboy Mouth. The guy is just absolutely amazing. If you don't know who Cowboy Mouth is, go look them up on Spotify. Go pull them up on Apple Music and listen to some of their stuff. But definitely go listen to some of their live recordings. I went to see them the first time in 1992. And the review that I read after that show was just dead on. Because they said, on a bad night... That band blows the roof off the dump. On a good night, they just might save your soul. And that's my minute. Just a minute exactly. Yeah. I love Cowboy Mouth. Yeah, I do too. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. And he is great. Fred's amazing. He was in a a band called Dash Rip Rock, Hmm. who is also a really good, funny band, but the personalities in that band were such that Fred was a big personality and I'm trying to remember the the guitar player's name in Dash Rip Rock. He had a big personality too and that's why Fred left 
Mm, and started Cowboy Mouth. And we, you know where they got the name Cowboy Mouth? I do. I don't know. Was do was not. from a Dash Rip Rock song. Oh, funny. <laughs> and the the line was, "He's a rock and roll Jesus with a cowboy mouth." And that's where Fred took the name of the band from. All right, best singing drummer. Your minute starts now. I don't need a minute. This will be easy. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you mentioned some of the obvious candidates, and I do love Fred LeBlanc from Cowboy Mouth. Um, you could have also mentioned Levon Helm. You could yep. mention Karen Carpenter. You could have mentioned Sheila E., who, in fairness, didn't play a full kit when she sang most of the time. Um, but I evaluated all these potential singing drummers on how good are they as singers and how good are they as drummers. And there's one true standout um, who is one of the best singers, period. And he also did it while, play, while playing the drums. One of the best singers in rock history, and that's Don Henley of the Eagles. Uh, there's a great interview with Glenn Fry in the Eagles documentary, uh, who was originally going to sing most of the songs in the, in the band. Yeah. Where he just says, you know, as we made more and more albums, Don did more and more of the singing. If you have Don Henley in your band, why would anyone else sing? Just a great voice and a decent enough drummer to keep things going. Yep, dude. He's dude. my best. 55 seconds. That yeah, was I could have done really it in 25. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I will have to say yeah. this. Having tried to play along with a bunch of Eagles songs, because yeah. I love that band, you can tell by the drum part which songs Don sings and yeah. which ones he doesn't. Because yeah. as a drummer, trying to sing while you play drums yeah. is tough. Well, and he's got kind of a distinctive drum style already. He's a little yeah, bit behind totally the beat, does. a little casual, a little relaxed. I, I, can't, I can't say whether I've never listened to see if, if the drums are different on the songs he sings, but I would imagine that in the studio he probably didn't sing and play anyway. I mean, he's probably playing the drums for one For the recording, and, yeah. yeah but the when recording. The, but when they saying. played live, yeah. he would sing a lot of yeah, those of songs. And you can tell on the... It's, can it's you tell a, on, the, on, the, on the recorded tracks? It's a I, simpler drum part well, when maybe he's he had doing to the do vocal. It, maybe yeah. he had to do it so he could play alive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Doesn't bother me. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't bother <laughs> me either. I mean, trying his, trying his to do is... trying to do what you have to do behind the kit. Yeah. He was a decent drummer. Is he? Is he up yeah, there with good. top five? No, but no, but I don't think he's any worse than the other drummers on this list. And he's a much no. better singer, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. But your guy Fred is quite a character. Fred's amazing. Oh my gosh. He's a front man behind the kit. Uh, amazing. So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. This episode of Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble Records is your one-stop shop for music production in Paris. Everything from the creative side to the technical side to the business side. You can check out what they do at www.bigpebblerecords.com. And of course, you'll hear a lot of Rock You artists on that label. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinckley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>